Hi, my name is Pete Scazzaro. I want to welcome you today to the Emotionally Healthy Leader Podcast. So great to be with you here in this final week of 2020. Now, during this past year, I've touched on many different topics during our weekly podcast times together. And uh, I want to thank so many of you for writing me uh, at, at Emotionally Healthy Discipleship, uh, giving me suggestions of topics, as well as responding to how the podcast has been for you. And I want to encourage you to keep doing so. Just send me an email at askpete at emotionallyhealthy.org, and I will see it. That would be wonderful. Now, this past year, we've had over 2 million unique downloads of this Emotionally Healthy Leader podcast. I mean, that's amazing uh, in the last 12 months alone. Now, when they say 2 million downloads, they're referring only to the ones that have been listened to just once. And those, if a person listens listens to it three times, it doesn't get counted three times, it gets counted just once. So you can imagine, uh, out of that, we decided to pick the five top ones for the whole 2020, the top five podcasts, and then top moments in those podcasts, the ones that resonated the most with listeners from around the world. And uh, so the, the five top podcasts were Rest, God is at Work. The second was Letting Go of Outcomes Without Giving Up Hope. The third was Leading Through Loss uh, During the Coronavirus Pandemic. The fourth was The Explosive Power of Willisoning. And the fifth was Detachment, How God Births New Things in and Through Us. So what we're going to do is we're going to share a few minutes, four to five minutes from each one of those with you, highlights. Now, you may want to go back and listen to one of them, maybe in its entirety. But for now, I want to invite you to enjoy uh, these top podcasts from 2020. The first is called Rest, God is at Work. Uh, The work is to rest. And our first work in the midst of this season, which we find ourselves uh, in your leadership, in your life, with your family, with your friends, with those who are looking to you for leadership, with all the fear and tendency to go take off down a road, is to enter and live in God's rest. And so this, uh, you know, I found most of my Christian life, I was listening to God on my own terms and a very narrow view of it. Uh, but silence and stillness before the Lord has just taken me into a place of greater awareness of and a calmness and a less anxiousness, less freneticness and more sensitive to my body, less reactive, greater sense of waiting on just God and his will and letting it unfold and not necessarily striving and pushing for my goals and um, finding that more in, in silence, the more he's speaking and he's got a lot to say to you. But where he's leading us, and, and, and he is going to lead us to, to, to darkness. And that's why David goes on, you know, the Lord is my shepherd. He goes, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And, and he makes it clear that the shepherd's going to lead you to, to trust him in darkness. God, there's going to be seasons we're in dark. We, we, we can't, we're in difficulties and setbacks and pain. And, and the, the picture, again, of a sheep uh, and it's evening and the valley of the shadow of death, of deepest darkness. I mean, it, I mean that's why that's why it's such a, this is a great psalm in, at a moment of death, because death is like a, a door we walk through, and it's it's a it's a dark door. And uh, but again, sheep have no defenses, so you're in darkness. You're 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 in the darkest valley, and you don't have cl- cats have claws at least. Dogs have teeth and speed. Deers can run. Bears can. Horses can kick and bite. But sheep sheep don't have any of this. We, 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 we have no bite, no claws, can't run. We're, we're just so vulnerable. And so many times in life, we don't see where things are going. 
where we're going and why it's going this way. And it seems like such a waste. And the great temptation is, you know, I'm done with God and I'm out of here and I quit and I'm not going to trust the shepherd anymore and forget his rest. I better just take over as best I can. And, and, I, and I love this. He goes, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. And he goes, your rod and your staff, they, they comfort me. You are with me. The deepest security is not our military. It's not our, our civic institutions. Uh, it's not the police. Our deepest security is you are with me. You know, verse one, the Lord is my shepherd. I will never leave you or forsake you, says the Lord. What a powerful verse. And God's got a rod. That's a weapon that's going to protect sheep from harm, exterior harm, from wild animals and thieves and a staff to keep us on track when we wander and fall into a hole. I mean, God loves you so much that in that dark valley, he's got a rod and a staff and, and he's guiding. The second most listened to podcast was called Letting Go of Outcomes Without Giving Up Hope. But there's something about in all of us that just wants this romantic, pure vision for life that we long for. And, um, but the problem is that you are in a great war. Uh, the great war is going on around you, both outside and what Jesus is saying is particularly inside the church. And uh, there's a spiritual warfare going on. There, are, there is weeds and there is wheat. There is good and, and there is evil. There is God and there is, there is a satanic power that sows seeds within to bring destruction and destroy the good seeds. And so the Bible speaks about powers and principalities and spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. And there's a dragon enraged to make war against the church. And uh, I like what John Calvin wrote, that there's no human power that these, there's no human person that can withstand the powers of evil on their own. And uh, Jesus has conquered the powers and principalities, but they're still alive. And what Jesus is saying in this parable is, you get it in the kingdom, the kingdom of God in the church, Satan's there too. And uh, the kingdom of God is this we all, they, they, just, you know, in Jesus' day, they were expecting when the Messiah came, it'd be a pure kingdom. All the weeds would be gone. The church, inside the church, it's going to be perfect. Someone sins, God will kill them, we'll throw them out like Ananias and Sapphira. We're not going to have the problems. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. The kingdom of God's going to come, but it's going to be a mix. It's going to be, the kingdom's going to be already here, but not yet fully here. And it's not till the end of history when he will end it, and he'll bring a final judgment. But in the meantime, even inside the church, it's going to be a bit vague. It's going to be a bit fuzzy. And uh, I don't know about you, but when I first pondered this thing, the more I thought about it, the worse it became. Now, remember the mustard seed. The kingdom of God's like a mustard seed. It's apparently insignificant and powerless and defeated. I mean, that's bad enough. I'm looking for let's make it happen. Let's show the city what we got. And Jesus says, no, no, the kingdom of God's like a mustard seed. But now he says, not only that, the church itself is infected. Oh, I said, that's great. That's just great. The church is infected. Wonderful. We have a worm. So how weak are we going to be? I mean, he makes his power made perfect in weakness. But I mean, come on now. Very sobering, isn't it? Now, the focus of this parable, like the mustard seed, is Jesus said, I want you to understand evil may be everywhere. And it may look like the good seed is going to get crushed. But I want to tell you something. This mustard seed kingdom is going to explode and fill the earth. 
that the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of, us, of our God. Evil will be overthrown. Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Don't ever get discouraged as you watch church history, as you watch what's going on around you. I'm telling you, nothing's going to stop that good seed from eventually filling up the earth. But in the meantime, it's going to look at times like the evil weeds are going to crush and destroy the good. But don't, but don't be deceived by that. But it's a mix right now. And uh, I like what he said to John the Baptist, because John the Baptist was discouraged and thought about quitting, just like some of us. We get discouraged. We're such idealists. We say, I became a Christian. I joined the church. I was not expecting warfare and weeds. But as Jesus said to John the Baptist, as he's about to get his head cut off, he's thinking, this should not be happening. And Jesus says, blessed is the one who does not fall away on account of me. Blessed is the one who does not get confused by this and does not quit and throw in a towel. Listen, many of us, when we experience failure and get knocked around a bit, lose our idealism, and we say, I could be a great Christian if it wasn't for other Christians. I'd be tremendous. But he's calling us here to be patient, to be content, to be certain about the future, to love his church, but to be unshakable because we understand the nature of the kingdom and the way it works. Again, verse 41, there'll come a day when he will weed out of his kingdom. That's the key text. It's out of the kingdom itself. It's not like they're over there in a corner. It's in the midst. He'll weed it out, and he'll sort it out at the end. But in the meantime, it's going to be a bit challenging. The third most listened to podcast was called Leading Through Loss During the Coronavirus Pandemic. Remember, we live in a culture, Western culture, that values the ascent, control, uh, clutching. We, we like things rising, the stock market, the economy, profit margins, growing churches, our 401k getting bigger, things improving, rising above our problems, progress. And so that, that's just the, our, we, that's what we like. And we get anxious when there's times of decline and decay and death, of, of stopping, uh, of, of regression. Uh, we feel like we're failing. And there's a time of descent upon us right now. And so I'd rather skip it uh, because I want to get the mission done. I want to expand. Uh, and this is not a time of uh, expansion. And so we live in a society with this grief, that, that a society that's grief phobic and death denying. And we just want to solve it by some medication quickly. And actually, when, when so many folks feel sad, we feel guilty and we want to apologize for it. And I, I love Thomas Merton's great phrase, God is too real to be met anywhere other than reality. God is too real to be met anywhere other than reality. And we are in a reality right now. And so the problem is if we do not process our griefs, us as leaders who are listening to this podcast, and then serve the people all around us, uh, then the grief is going to remain unexpressed. And then what happens, as you'll see towards the end of the podcast, our hearts grow hard like stone. And then little compassion and love actually flows out of us uh, to the world. So again, people approach grief generally in, in, in two ways. One is some, some or most people just detach from it or disconnect from it. Get busy, get start thinking about strategy. How do I keep this momentum going? 
uh, social media, and we want to. We're striving to keep the thing moving, and we're not connected to ourselves or what's going on around us. And so, I, I think for those of us in leadership and Christian leadership, it's trying to keep the numbers up and hold things together. That's that's one very common uh, approach: detachment and disconnection. And so, as a result, we get dulled and we're distracted. And like the culture, we push the loss and grief to the margins. Uh, the other extreme is we get drowned in sorrow and overwhelmed and we get crushed and we go down in despair. And uh, so what we are taking here is uh, a biblical approach of there, there's actually a holiness to the process of grief and loss. And we actually, by the by the Holy Spirit's power, uh, we are offered courage to face the world as it is and not turn away from it and go into a hole and medicate ourselves. And that actually there's a guest, uh, the living God at the door coming to us. But this this facing grief and loss, it's hard work. It's an intense emotion. Uh, it, it ripens us and deepens it, us if we do God's process, if we follow God's process, uh, rather than harden us. So, uh, so there's three phases, and I'm going to take each one by one and apply it, uh, hopefully, to each of us uh, today. So remember, here's the three phases. By phases, I mean they overlap, and you've got to kind of hold all three together, even though you may be primarily in one. So the first is I pay attention to it. I feel it. Secondly, I I wait on God with it, uh, even though it's confusing. And thirdly, I, I let the old birth the new, which is the resurrection. So, so I'm holding these three phases. Pay attention, waiting on God, and the confusing in between, and then I let the old birth the new. fourth most listened to podcast is called The Explosive Power of Listening. And then we've got, in contrast, Peter. Uh, and I'm going to pick up on Matthew uh, 16 and 17, uh, where Jesus takes Peter, James, and John to the Mount of Transfiguration. He's transfigured before them. And, uh, and then Peter sees uh, Jesus, Moses, and Elijah talking together at the top of the mountain. And he sees Jesus in his resurrection glory. It's an amazing moment. Uh, but Peter doesn't listen. And what Peter does instead, he starts making plans. He's eager to speak. And while um, you know Jesus is, is speaking, Peter interrupts. And uh, he starts making plans without listening. And he starts, he says, let's, let's, let's have a building project here. Let's build three booths here. And then all the people can come and it'll expand the mission of Jesus. And we can stay here on this mountaintop. It'll all be glorious. And you see, Peter's just been in chapter 16, uh, when uh, Jesus begins to tell Peter and the other disciples about he's going to be crucified and that they too are going to have to be crucified and deny themselves and take up their cross and follow Jesus, that it's going to be a downward failure path uh, of rejection. Peter says, never, Lord, this will never happen to you. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. So so for Peter, he's not listening. I mean, he just, he can't get his arms around the fact that failure is the work, is going to be the best thing that ever could happen to him. And he can't see suffering, defeat, bringing anything good out of it. And he, doesn't, he, he just can't see this crucifixion. And, uh, and so Peter's not listening uh, to the spirit. Uh, by any means. And even he can't wait until whatever Jesus is doing there on that mountaintop. Uh, Peter's just a talker, just like us. And he starts making plans. He's got this feverish building program going. And then God, the father interrupts from a cloud from heaven and says, listen to him, Jesus. 
Um, and here's Peter, the cream of the leadership, New Testament leadership, missing it. And, you know, he, like us, he wants a spiritual life, but he wants to be in charge of it. And he wants it to unfold according to his schedule. I so relate to Peter. I hope you can too. He is a leader that is working for Jesus uh, for the Great Commission, but he is just not listening, um, especially about the low road, the suffering road, the upside down kingdom. And, you know, Jesus has been discipling Peter and the 12 at this point for at least a year and a half to two years. And Jesus is trying to get them to understand that you've got to reject the religious way of the Pharisees and Sadducees and teachers of law. That is not the way to go. And Jesus is telling him about reject. He's, he's saying in the world's discipleship is be popular, be great, be successful and avoid suffering and failure. And Jesus has been saying that for the, you know, don't be like the teachers of the law and the Pharisees where everything they do is for people to see. Um, they want to be popular and, and they want to be great that, that they take the first seats in the synagogue and they're considered successful. Uh, and, uh, and, and so Jesus is trying to get them out of that into his discipleship, which is reject popularity uh, with people and reject being great with people and reject being a success in the people's eyes and embrace suffering and failure and go the way the cross and follow me. And he's been trying to drill this into the disciples for three years. But again, for Peter, he's just having a really hard time listening to it. And, uh, and so what we see here is, is, you know, God trying to get Peter to say, listen to him. That's a great verse in Matthew 17, five, the father speaks, listen to him, Jesus. That is the core of the Christian life. And then the fifth most listened to podcast in 2020 was called Detachment, How God Births New Things in and Through Us, Part 2. So again, this word detachment and, 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 and Eckhart, you know, his basic definition is that the way we enter into loving union with God so we can share in the life of God in and through us is through detachment. And that God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit exist in this kind of boiling love within themselves, God, God within himself, and he boils over that love into creation. And he looks for human beings who will be emptied and surrendered that Jesus might be birthed in and through them. And this detachment is not a cold detachment by any means. It's a loving detachment. It's because the goal of all existence is, is, our, is loving union with God, marriage and being one with him, surrendering to the Father, being free of our self-will so he can fill us. Uh, it's It's... Uh, it's just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, was Jesus' prayer in John 17. It's this oneness with Jesus, he in me, I in him, us in the Father. But the problem with most of us is we want the world to unfold in a certain way. Uh, and if the world doesn't unfold in a certain way, we're upset. I don't feel good. And so I resist anything that's negative that's coming my way and we, and we cling to whatever we love. And so our life is one of clinging and resisting one thing or another. And and even our spiritual practice ends up, you know, I'm doing certain things, uh, going to church, devotion, serving, preaching, because I want to get what I want. I don't want what I don't want. And uh, God's invitation is, no, no, no. If you're attached to anything, it's going gonna, it's gonna to wreck your life. You're going to lose it because the invitation is to surrender ourselves to him. And so when we cling and resist uh, things happening to us, around us, that God's allowing we're basically uh, going up against the God of the universe. And to follow Jesus is, quote, 
uh, Sackhart said, to be empty of all created things is to be full of God. And to be full of created things is to be empty of God. And it's not simply, Lord, you know, my will, I surrender to your will. I want our wills to become one. And uh, again, the main problem in the spiritual life is that undetached people are full of self-will. And so our goal is to relinquish all our possessiveness, to, to lose our lives for his sake. And I, and I love this quote. Now I'll try to read it slowly because it's so beautiful. Then I want to go into our three applications here. And here's how he defines Eckhart, true inner detachment. In it, the spirit stands immovable in the face of everything that befalls it, whether it is good or bad, honor or disgrace, just as a broad mountain stands immovable in the face of a little breeze. Try, try that again. In, in true inner detachment, the spirit stands immovable in the face of everything that befalls it, whether it's good or bad. So does, does again, by earthly standards, whether honor or disgrace, whether someone's praising you or not, it's okay. It doesn't, doesn't impact me that negatively. I'm like a mountain that's immovable in the face of a little breeze. In other words, circumstances externally are not determining who I am. I've got this anchor and center in the love of God such that uh, I'm like a mountain. I was like, oh my gosh. I want to thank you so much uh, for being with us uh, in 2020, and I look forward to what God has in store for us in 2021. So may the Lord's good hand rest upon you as we go into this new year, and may you become the person that God has called you to become, and may you do all that God has called you to do in his timetable and in his way. Blessings to you.